our beloved chiropractic profession faces challenges like never before. These challenges come from not only outside the profession, but also from within. Hi, I'm Dr. Bobby Braille, and I've had the opportunity to see this profession as a practitioner, a teacher, an administrator, and a politician. In my over 40 years in chiropractic, I've just about seen it all. Join me on Cairo Rants for an honest and no-holds-barred discussion about all aspects of chiropractic practice, politics, education, and philosophy. We'll talk about subjects that most only want to whisper about, and we'll interview the leaders in our profession to get some straight-up answers. If you're looking for a politically correct chiropractic discussion, this is not the place. Welcome to Cairo Rants. Hi, I'm Dr. Bobby Braille, and on this episode of Cairo Rants, we're going to be talking about chiropractic students. In fact, I've got two young students right here who are ready to graduate in, what, a week? You guys are going to be out in a week. Uh, so they have been interning at my office, and I figured we'd have a Cairo Rants discussion about education from a student's standpoint. So uh, we've got here Dr. Ben and Dr. Devin, or soon-to-be Dr. Ben and Dr. Devin. They've been interning with us. So I'm going to start with a little bit of questioning here, and, and I'll start off with you, Ben. Uh, overall, why chiropractic in the first place? So I like to say that some people have... Uh kind of big chiropractic moments, kind of like a coming to Jesus moment where it's a big revelation and they understand it. Uh, that wasn't necessarily my case. It was more of chiropractic chose me and I, I've heard other people say that as well. So it's not as uncommon as you'd think. Um, but yeah, but my answer to that is real simple. Just chiropractic chose me. How about you, Devin? Uh, well, in seventh grade, I got injured wrestling in a tournament and I got a crink in my neck so my mom has been seeing a chiropractor so that was my first experience through that um so i went and got adjusted and the crink went away and i was like i really like the popping sound so then i just pursued it from there you like the popping sound i like the popping sound <laughs> so um i just pursued it from there and then found out it had way more benefits than i initially thought because it's way more than back and neck pain and i really like the philosophy and stuck with it Where'd you, I mean, you said you like, you found that it was way more than what you thought. Where'd you find that out? Uh, just in school, um, in my research going into school. Before was, you were in chiropractic yeah. school. Okay. So. Now, what made you, Dr. Devin, we'll start with you. What made you choose, you're both Life University students. What made you choose Life? Uh, all the doctors that I talked to recommended Life. Um, just simply that. And then based on the ratings, it had a better rating and satisfaction uh, rating than any other school that I looked at. Wait, what, what school was that, the other school? Oh, uh, you had Palmer, uh, Texas. There's a school in Connecticut, Ridgeport, uh, National. Um, so you basically used Google or Yelp to decide what school to go to? I did. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Ben? What made you choose life? So the chiropractor I was going to at the time said life is a great school. You should go there. And I applied and got in. So, I mean, there's, there's obviously a lot of some other factors behind it. Um, I wasn't entirely sure I wanted to do chiropractic at the time, but uh, it's one of those things where I had prayed about it and decided if I had gotten into school and that was where I was meant to be. So that's why I picked life and it's why I'm here where I am now. So it's worked out. Okay. Uh, you know, I want to go in a different category here, a slightly different uh, direction. 
I can remember, now I went to school before you guys were born. Um, With the dinosaurs? Yeah, I rode one into school. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, basically, uh, over 40 years ago, uh, I started school at New York Chiropractic. It was called Columbia at the time. It's since changed its name while I was there to New York Chiropractic College. And one of the general things I noticed from not only my class, but other schools and students everywhere was an overall feeling of students when they graduated their chiropractic school. And this isn't universal, but it was widespread that they didn't like their school. They really didn't like the school they got out of. They were uh, pissed off at it. Uh, so I'm going to go into a little bit of, of why that is, and I'll, I'll ask you why it is in a minute, but let's start with picking stuff apart here, the, the quality of the education. Now, we're going to look at that from the quality of the chiropractic education and the quality of, I guess, the science or medical part of the education. So, so Ben, what do you feel about how was the quality of your chiropractic education and the science education at life? So... The chiropractic education is, in my opinion, starting to be a little lackluster. Uh, granted, they're doing a decent job of teaching some adjusting. Uh, we like to call it posiology because they really don't let you get hands-on until about halfway through your chiropractic uh, education, which is not good because it doesn't give you a lot of time to be prepared to do what you're going to do for the rest of your life. So... Aside from that and the philosophy of things, uh, the philosophy is, in my opinion, getting a little weaker there. We have some philosophy courses at the start of uh, the education, but it doesn't necessarily carry through all the way. And um, I mean, granted, for boards, as far as boards is concerned, we learned everything we needed to know and did very well on boards. And to speak to the science side of things, again, we learned all the information that was required and we learned it well. But... Uh, you know, when it gets down to it, if you were going to make us into something other than chiropractors, I, I don't know how well prepared I'd feel. So, All right. Devin, what are you thinking about the education? I feel like they prepared us to pass boards, and that's about it. Um, I wish you could got a little bit more hands-on a little bit earlier in the program. I feel like it's kind of really lackluster there where you're not really getting the hands-on experience until you have to start bringing in patients by yourself and then you're trying to convince these people of chiropractic and you're not even really sure how to adjust them yet. Um, like Ben said, the posiology is real. You never really get judged on whether or not you can adjust or move a bone. It's only if you could set up in what appears to be the correct way based on their perspective. Um, from the medical standpoint, I think we're just uh, very unskilled diagnosticians where we just don't get the exposure just because we don't have, it's not part of our curriculum that's heavily hit. Um, we can do the majority of stuff, but the, uh, what you need to know for like to be a primary physician is very lacking. You know, I mean, one of the things that I've always heard as a complaint for chiropractic education was that they teach you in this school, and it's across the board in most cases, to pass the boards and to get your, your license in the state. Now, obviously, that's very important. Otherwise, it was a waste of your time and your money. But the focus of education in a chiropractic setting 
doesn't always translate into what you're going to be doing in practice. I, I know I've mentioned to you doctors and to a lot of students the 90-10 rule. 90% of what you learn you will use 10% of the time and 10% of what you learn you will use 90% of the time in a chiropractic practice. Unfortunately, they don't test you that way. Uh, so I've, I've kind of felt like uh, over the years life was known as uh, good philosophers and very good adjusters. And I, I don't know if that's, I mean, I, I've dealt with you gentlemen, you're good adjusters, and I've worked with you and helped you hone your skills a bit. Uh, and it's great that there's a peak program now where you can get that, but mm -hmm. before there wasn't. Um, what about uh, asking each of you, the, 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 the teachers themselves, uh, I don't know if this is the case anymore. I, I taught there for a short amount of time in the 90s myself at life, uh, but in the past, and this is when I was going to school, many of the teachers who were there in chiropractic school were there because they couldn't make it as practitioners. You know, it wasn't like they were highly successful, skilled, you know, uh, people out in practice, and therefore they were wooed to come to the school for an honorable position of being a professional at a university like Harvard or something like that. Uh, and a lot of times they had, you know, young graduates coming out, they were called when it was 14 quarters, they were called a 15 quarter student. They, they immediately turned around and started teaching at the school. Now, I know they don't do that as much now, but it was prevalent back then. What do you feel about the, the teachers? Are they, as an overall, and I don't want to, you know, degrade anybody specifically, because I know you got some wonderful people over there who I know personally, mm -hmm. uh, but overall, is that situation the same, or do you feel it's improved, or? I feel like based on how young they are, it's improved. I think there's a limit, and you have to be in practice for five years, I think is the rule now, before you can come in and be a professor, or at least that's, we never had a professor to practice long, uh, any less than that. I just feel that you can tell the professors are frustrated. Um, I, for what, I don't know, but um, you could tell in their teaching, they seemed a little bit overwhelmed and not rewarded for what they do. What do you think about? I'd, I'd agree with what Devin has to say. It's uh, There are some people there with really good hearts, really good intentions, and they want students to learn, and uh, they really do want the best for you. There are a couple teachers where you can kind of tell they're there, and they're just going to keep being there because they've always been, and they're just teaching the class because, well, that's what they do. Um, some of the teachers, you can tell the passion's a little gone. That That's not with all of them. Um, Overall, I'd say I'm, I'm glad to have met the teachers we've had, and uh, I'm glad to have had who we've had. Like I said, I, I don't think there's anyone there who wanted to see you fail. Everybody was, in my opinion, um, trying to, to help you succeed in one way or another. So, One of the past complaints, and it may still well be there, is a disconnect between the science end of the curriculum and the chiropractic end of the curriculum. Uh, you know, before I went to school, even, all courses, even the science courses, were taught by chiropractors. So if you learned physiology, you got it from a chiropractor in a physiology slant. If you learned, you know, uh, osteology, you got it with a chiropractic slant. And no matter what the subject was, you got it from a chiropractor who was well-trained in that. Mm -hmm. And then I know when the accreditation and stuff came in, you had that PhDs in certain mm -hmm. subject matter, and therefore it precluded you from being a chiropractor teaching a science subject. Mm. Do you feel there's integration or a serious disconnect between the science courses and the chiropractic courses? Uh, I would say that, it again, it depends on who you have. I know there was... 
one teacher where he, I believe at least had a, had a doctor of chiropractic and a couple other certifications. Um, so he was always good about telling us you pretty much any disease and anything else can be helped with chiropractic. So he brought the two together. He brought the two together and he was good about it. Um, I don't want to mention any names or any classes or any identification, um, things or anything along those lines. But he was at least good. I remember him mentioning a couple times about how chiropractic is beneficial in what diseases and other things he's seen it help with. So uh, he brought in his practice he, experience. He did bring in some it. practice experience. And then there were other teachers where it would have been really helpful to understand how chiropractic tied into certain sciences or why we were learning certain sciences. Um yeah. Did you feel you had any science teachers who were actually degrading chiropractic or, or belittling it? Uh, there was only one professor in nutrition. Um, she took a hard stance against chiropractic and more on wanted you to lean toward a nutritional standpoint. But other than that, out of all the classes we took and all the professors we had, all of the professors leaned more towards chiropractic and just wanted us to be as prepared for their subject matter in which they taught and how chiropractic could potentially benefit what they have experienced. Yeah, I feel like the big thing, a lot of the connection you were supposed to make by yourself, uh, and that comes with the repetition of the course load. So whereas you might not understand how certain things tie together earlier on in your uh, chiropractic education, the more you repeated the information and the further you got in school, slowly you'd be able to piece things together um, but if you never made that effort and never made the connections, you might not ever know unless someone was there to teach you like they're supposed to. Do you feel there's a certain amount of students who get out of school just having done the minimal and really have no clue what chiropractic is? Absolutely. Yeah. I see you both shaking your head yeah. here. Yeah. So, so 100%. Uh, how high a percentage would you say it is people who are skating by? I mean, they're, they're, they're getting their grades. Yeah. But they put no additional effort into being a chiropractor. I don't know a percentage right offhand, but I can tell you it's growing because even in school, we're going more to a medical mindset instead of the philosophy. We have two courses of philosophy early on in the program. and then Just two. Just two. And then unless you pursue the philosophy in a club or in another area of edu- um, certification, you, it really gets lost in all the medical diagnostic stuff and procedures yeah uh something that can be frustrating for myself is watching some people come out and don't get me wrong they get really lost in the physical therapy side of things and don't get me wrong i if for chiropractors who want to do physical therapy i'm 100 percent supportive of do it the best you can learn everything you can and do it to the best of your ability uh still think they should be doing chiropractic as long as they still have that in their practice you know, do what you're going to do. Um, my issue becomes when you have these people who go to chiropractic school to become a physical therapist. When they want the doctorate degree, but then they get out and all they ever do is physical therapy modalities and never really learn really what chiropractic is. And it's a shame. Specific adjusting or anything Yeah, like yeah. They don't, they don't learn about specific adjusting or they're not necessarily skilled in it or they don't try and learn any techniques related to chiropractic. It's just kind of a get through it, get to the other side so you can bill insurance and make money off of PT. So, 
Now, you both are, are, have been involved in the PEAK program, which is an internship program from Life University. Um, prior to that, you both had clinic at the, stu at the student clinic and at Life University's outpatient clinic. How was your clinic experience at the school? How would you say that was? Did you feel it was preparing you? Was it realistic or... I feel like the student clinic was realistic in the mat in the idea that all the chiropractors knew what they're getting into as a student. So there was no like having to convince each other to show up. I feel like when you get to outpatient and you're trying to get the general public in, they make it a really difficult to schedule things for one. Uh, the process is way longer than it should be because of all the fine print like stuff you have to do with the physicals. Like there's physicals that I've heard the last up to like eight hours, and I think that's a little excessive. Um, to schedule any x-rays takes additional time. And then as a student, you're also concerned about getting your numbers and getting your everything that you need to qualify you for peak um, done in a timely manner, and it makes it very difficult to get that and to convince the public that what you're doing is benefit them, benefiting them and not just rushing them through the process oh so now now granted there are i have heard of the long physicals as well um to a certain extent that is also on the students because sometimes students are just slow and don't know how to work within the system overall it was very beefy and uh in just my own words it kind of had to be uh in student clinic they were basically teaching you the basics of what you're going to have to do in outpatient and their whole thing is to cover themselves and to make sure that as long as you're working under their license, you're not going to screw anything up for them. So it's understandable where, to me, it was understandable that they kind of take things a little far. Um, and I understand where they're coming from, but it doesn't mean that it'd be necessarily realistic for a practice when you get out. Now, realizing it's an educational experience, so they have to have you do things that may not necessarily be necessary in every case because you have to learn how to do them for the exactly. cases that are necessary. Exactly. But what would you say now, having both been through a peak experience in this office, what would you say is the biggest difference you've seen between, the, and I realize you're both snickering at this one, the clinical experience of being in clinic and the clinical experience of being in a real practice, this practice? I believe the biggest difference is the fact that in the peak program, you're doing chiropractic and the outpatient program, you're doing the medical mindset of where you need to diagnose. And that's the biggest thing. And then chiropractic second. Yeah, I think there's a huge, I mean, there's a big emphasis on medical billing in the student and the outpatient clinic. Reason being, I think they really want us to go the insurance route and want to make sure that we know how to do insurance, which obviously is going to involve a lot more testing, a lot more forms, a lot more paperwork. And the nice thing about being here is while there are those cases, or in a peak office, while there are those cases where, yes, you do have insurance, where there's going to be more forms and more of a uh, more of a hassle, so to speak. Recording, More yeah. recording, different yeah. things. Um, not that you would do any less for other people but uh it's just more streamlined because there's less of a checklist if that makes sense because like you were saying when we have to do things on every patient that we wouldn't normally have to do on other patients mm -hmm. 
uh, in school that just makes it take up more time. So it's nice that, again, it's a little more streamlined. Now, one of the things I thought was a great idea was the uh, the peak program that Life University put in, where you can actually do the, I guess, last two quarters of your clinical experience in a, a, an office, a mm -hmm. real office. What would you say is the biggest thing different you learned between being in school and being in a real office? Either uh, one. <laughs> one of the, uh, I'm going to say the biggest thing was toggling because we learned that in fourth quarter and then they never let us do it on anybody in fourth quarter because uh, we couldn't really do x-rays and there's a whole clinical thing and the paperwork behind it. Um, and then once you get in a student clinic, it's not necessarily encouraged because one, you have to schedule people for x-rays, which as Dr. Devin was saying, takes extra time. And when you're trying to meet your number requirements and get people through the clinic so you can get your numbers and move on, it just gets more stressful and you just kind of leave it by the wayside. And it's a shame because I went through all of student clinic and outpatient clinic without toggling anybody a single time. Now, um, for those who may not understand, or because I've, I've spoken at schools where I got stopped and said, what's a toggle? We're talking about a movement, specific movement of the atlas. Uh, I specifically do it side posture and we uh, use a toggle headpiece, a Thompson toggle headpiece. Uh, it could be called toggle recoil, but... Uh, yeah, it's something that was ingrained into me early in my education. We started day one learning how to toggle. I know you guys don't get it till fourth, and then you don't get it again. Yeah, so which to me is unheard of. So uh, the unfathomable for me. The importance of adjusting the atlas is lost uh, through the education, in my opinion. And I've seen so many cases here where people have gotten up after a single adjustment and have immediately felt relief from just a single atlas adjustment. And to me, it just kind of it seems crazy to me that we, we don't address it more in school. Well, we, we just had uh, that young gentleman come in uh, last week mm -hmm. who, uh, the limping, uh, explain that a little bit without names, obviously, to protect his identity, but explain what you saw with that one. Oh, yeah. So we, we had a, a gentleman come in, and our exam, uh, the length of our hallway down to the exam room is, um, how, how many feet would you say? 40 feet. Something 40 like feet. He was, he, he was having trouble walking down through. He was... Had a little bit of a hitch, had a little bit of a limp, said he was in constant pain, um, had been for, I think it was a couple years, and uh, been to a chiropractor before, but hadn't been back. Anyways, we, we took him through the exam process and all that, and then when we brought him in for his first adjustment, the only adjustment we did was the atlas. That was the only adjustment, and he got up off the table, and I swear he was almost crying. Uh, you could tell he was about to tear up a little bit, and he was saying, oh my God, I thought I'd have to live with that for the rest of my life. It's like, I can't believe it. I can't believe after a single adjustment, this pain is gone that I've been dealing with. It's been constant. And keeping in mind, the pain was in his back and leg. Yeah, yeah this is in his back and leg. And all we did was move his atlas. Yeah, and all of a sudden, this guy's, you know, cruising up and down the hallway like there's no problem. You know, you could instantly see it in his face. And he wanted to show it off. Can I walk yeah, down the hallway? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. Uh, so let me ask a question. I want to get into the, a subject here that I know is touchy, that I know I've discussed with you individually, but uh, um, student loans. Right? Um, obviously, the and we have talked about the cost of it, and we'll bring in some experts on that on future podcasts, but the cost of a, a chiropractic education has gone up so drastically and actually, in relationship to the income of a chiropractor, has outpaced it. 
uh, pretty drastically too. I mean, the average income versus what the average debt is is far out of whack compared to what it was, you know, mm-hmm. just a few decades ago or a decade ago. Um, not to make the current students feel bad, uh, my cost of education, and I was on a trimester, was $729 a try. And I know you're at least 10 times that now or more. Yeah. Um, Devin, what, what is your feeling about this? I mean, you don't have to tell us unless you really want to how much debt you have, but uh, uh, what is the process? What's the thought process of, of going in and realizing that there's that much debt involved? I feel like, well, not only with chiropractic college, but with any college programs at this point, the student loan debt's a problem. Um, I'm in a significant amount because I chose to go on an extended uh, professional course in which I got my doctorate, which is extra time in school. Um, I do believe like it's a little bit excessive. Um, you kind of dig yourself in a hole if you just try to educate yourself further in the society. I feel like it's really limiting people on how far they go in education process because of the debt crisis. Um, but I do believe, like you were saying, with the comparison to how the chiropractor's pay and salary have increased along with student loan debt, it's not an unfeasible uh, task to pay them off, but it is a challenge. It's pretty much the same challenge you'd go under buying a house. Yeah, except you can't live at the at the, exactly. at the college, uh, <laughs> and in four years they kick you out. So uh, well, hopefully you can scrounge up enough boxes around campus, you can build yourself a nice place to live. So. There you go. Uh, you know the student loan situation, and, and obviously there's been a lot of political discussion about forgiving student loans. I don't think that would apply to a postgraduate education, which is what a chiropractic education is. So mm. I, I don't think that would have any effect on the debt accumulated going to chiropractic school. Um, it is very high. Um, you're right. And what was the thought process? I mean, was there a conscious thought, okay, I'm going to be in this much debt and this is the kind of practice or how much practice I have to do to cover that debt? Uh, honestly, I chose a path in which I know chiropractic something that I really love to do and I love to see the improvement in people and the patients that I've worked with. So I've never really considered the debt until now graduating, and it's a little bit stressful. Because <laughs> now it's coming due. Yeah, yeah, I still believe that it was the right path for me, um, even though it's going to be a challenge, but I like challenges, and I feel like as a doctor, you should like them too. So it, you, you waited out and you said, yes, this is something I want to take on, mm-hmm. something I want to do. It'll be worth it in the long run. Um, how long before, after you graduate, do you actually have to start paying this thing off? Six months. So you got six months to establish yourself either as an associate and or a practitioner and to make enough money not only to live on, but to start to pay the student don't student debt off. Yeah, yeah. So it's a good time. <laughs> <laughs> um, generally speaking, when I went to school, almost every chiropractor looked at the idea of going out and opening their own individual practice. There were very few associateships available. Um, It wasn't something where the pay was going to be that great anyway. Um, So almost all of my class looked at the idea of going out and getting in practice. I noticed there's been a morphing of that now to where many more chiropractors look at the idea of associateship first. Mm -hmm. Um, In each of you, we'll start with you, Ben. Have you had that discussion in your head and, and 
what makes sense to you either way? So, yeah, it was something I until recently had uh, had been struggling with because I didn't know the answer either way. As far as associating goes, I'd, I've managed to find myself a good position, uh, a good job, and so I'm going to go step into that and try and learn as much of the business side of things as I can. Um, I think the biggest thing that was keeping me from saying, okay, let's go open my own practice was knowing systems, having an understanding of systems, patient flow, and really just business, advertising, taxes, buildings, the list goes on and on, where they make a veiled attempt in school to teach you, I'm doing quotation marks, teach you business. Yeah, this is audio, they can't see your hands. Yeah, I know, it's it's bad (laughs) because I'm part Italian and I speak with my hands, so you guys are missing a lot. Um, but yeah, uh, nothing against the business education and they, they try to give you a little bit, but there's just so much that I'd never even thought of. And then when you start looking into really how to start any business, it's, it's just a little overwhelming. Um, cause not only are you at that point trying to figure out how do I want to structure my practice, run my practice, be a practitioner. It's also, how do I make sure my overhead's covered. What sort of building do I need? Uh, how many patients do I have to bring in? What is advertising? How do I advertise? What is all of this? Um, and basically you have to re-educate yourself. So let me ask you a question, and this may be related. If there was no or minimal student debt, would that have changed your thought process of going into your own practice? I would say that plays a huge factor. If you owed half the money you owe now, what would you consider? Half it would still be a little hard because Devin didn't speak to how much he owes. I know I'll probably be about $200,000 in the hole. Uh, love to use the phrase, I could have bought a house, but it's all right. Um, if it were even at 100, I'd still be a little hesitant. Um, granted, if it was down around 75, I might, I would probably be a lot more into it because risk of failure is then I'll, I'd be okay. Uh, and I could still figure it out. The problem is the longer you're not running and making the money, the higher that student debt number goes up, especially with interest and just how it compounds over the years. Uh, it just starts getting to be a lot. So the, so if the, there were no debt, Oh yeah. I mean, you'd be re- opening your own practice. Yeah, 100%. Um, Devin, what about you? What, what's your thought on that? Uh, even if there was no debt, I'd still want the experience of working under a doctor for a little bit more time in the actual real world um, with the patient base, see how things are working, marketing, taxes, all the like little things you kind of miss in school because you're more focused on becoming a great adjuster. Um, and I think it's important, uh, at least for me, especially being with my personality, more of an introvert. So it's more beneficial to me to start um, working under someone and then build up that confidence to where I can share my message and share it correctly when I decide to open up my own clinic. Now, I know in this office here, you do get uh, some of the business, you, but you can't get everything no matter what. I mean, you, yeah. you are taking care of patients here. You are learning that aspect of it. And I'm yeah. hoping you get things that you don't get in clinic that you get here. Absolutely, yeah. But, I mean, you, you only get to see a little bit of the tax end of it. You only get mm-hmm. to see a little bit of the payroll part of it. Um, the billing of insurance, you've got to see some of it, but you haven't, you know, even in this, you, you were here six, you were here, what, three, right? Mm-hmm. 
you, you don't really have a chance, even in that amount of time, to get everything. Yeah. Um, I have seen chiro- – now, that being said, I've had interns jump right into practice. Oh, yeah. Um, and I would probably say in many of their cases, not all of them, their debt was somewhat less, uh, minimized, maybe because someone in the family was working, they had a spouse who was working at the same time and mm-hmm. minimizing their debt. But I, I've seen them come out with big debts and then go off into their own practices. And uh, a lot of it depended upon how excited and, and confident they were, not necessarily uh, confident in chiropractic, but confident in their skills in delivering chiropractic. And yeah. that varies on the individual. Like you said, you're an introvert, although I've known introverts do very well. <laughs> you know. um, so you're about to graduate. We're coming to the end of the podcast here. What would you uh, say to students who were in school right now, Dr. Devin, um, as far as advice towards graduation, not afterwards, but towards grad? What would you say is advice to them to students who are in chiropractic school now? Uh, I would try to get as much hands-on experience as you can. Start um, even with just one going and shadowing offices. You learn so much from just being in the atmosphere. Uh, but the big thing is getting your hands on people. Um, of course, in the school criteria of not breaking any of the rules or anything like that. But joining no, clubs we would never do that. and whatnot. Um, <laughs> So that you come out confident, so when you get to outpatient, you can focus more on the insurance aspect and diagnosis aspect and writing notes instead of on whether or not you're going to be able to get this bone to move or not. It's just going to be a second nature thing by that point. Ben, what's your advice to a student who might be listening to this right now? I would say school is rough. It always is. It's going to continue to be rough. No matter how easy they make it, it's still just a lot of, uh, it's just a lot. And there's going to be situations where it's just a lot to deal with. Um, so stay strong in your purpose, stay strong in why you're there, find a good group of friends you can rely on and you can uh, have community with. That's a huge thing that I'm always in favor of is just having community with other people, especially through school. Um, and then like Devin said, just be hands on, be as physical as you can and because even even mopal the the students who are in mopal already or motion palpation classes know it's awkward the first day and then two quarters down the line you just don't even care anymore because <laughs> you don't feel that awkwardness uh but yeah get as get as much hands-on experience as you can so that way you're as confident in your skills as you possibly can be so that when you come out and go into practice you will feel confident as a doctor and as an adjuster and as a chiropractor and I was also add that keep it to the philosophy. It's going to be lost there towards the middle and the end, but keep that in your head and dive back into it when you're starting to doubt yourself. Because in the words of uh, B.J. Harmon, chiropractic is easy. When in doubt, hit them high, hit them low. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I want to thank you two for being here. I want to thank you for being interns and for your dedication to the profession. I'm sure everyone lis- listening wishes you the best in uh, your graduation, uh, best success in practice and all of your future endeavors. And uh, thank you all for being a part of this Cairo Rants podcast. Thank you for listening to Cairo Rants. Subscribe for free and listen to insightful, truthful, and hard-hitting discussions with some of the biggest names in chiropractic. Cairo Rants is sponsored in part by Now You Know Online and In-Office Educational Services. 
Learn how to expand your educational outreach to your patients and your community at www.nowyouknow.net. The opinions of Cairo Rants are exclusively those of Dr. Braille and do not reflect the opinions of any associations, groups, institutions, or sponsors mentioned in these podcasts. This has been Cairo Rants. Thank you.